Well, hello, People's Church family. How's everybody doing today? Are you doing good? Come on, talk back to your pastor. You're in the building now. It's good to hear some claps and some amens and preach it. And it's good. I've been 10, 11 weeks preaching to an empty room and I got used to it, but I never liked it. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's good to see your faces here today and just welcome to all of our campuses. Welcome to all of you joining us online. We're so just grateful for technology during this season that we're just staying connected and all this happening online, all the resources that we're offering you and your family during this season to stay connected to God's house. Welcome Midwest City. I love you all. Welcome to Indianapolis. Matter of fact, our second week in the building last week, our first Sunday, nine people gave their heart to Jesus Christ at our Indianapolis building. We're thanking God for what he's doing at Indianapolis and Mabel Bassett. Love you ladies so much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I want to welcome our Northwest campus. If you missed the update, I encourage you be sure to email care at people's church.tv and get on the e-newsletter. Just ask them, hey, would you put me on the e-newsletter? So much updates come up via the e-newsletter, via our social media, via People's Church app. I want you to stay connected with the church. And I updated you that on our Northwest campus, we had a fire on the roof. Uh, it was not arson related. There was something around the air condition uh, that it sparked and caught fire there. About 15% of the roof burned. And so we are right now working with contractors, with the insurance company to get everything repaired, get all the inside uh, repaired from water damage, smoke damage. And it's our hope that we could be back worshiping at our Northwest campus uh, within 30 days. Obviously, it's early. We'll keep you updated. But I do want you to be praying uh, that gets repaired uh, very speedily. But I got good news for you in the middle of the bad news. And that is this. Thank God nobody was hurt. Nobody was injured. Come on. We thank God for that that and we know we're going to give the devil a black eye when we get back in and just move the church forward. The church cannot be stopped. COVID-19 can't stop us. It can't stop us. If we have to shut down, can't meet together physically because we're the church. Wherever we are, we are the church and we're taking the gospel forward. And one of the ways that I want to encourage you to take the gospel forward is by continuing to minister to those who are in need, who are hurting, who uh, need hope in Christ. And one of the groups of people that we can really be a blessing to in this season is our, el our elderly. And because of your generosity, uh, we are already providing, going to provide tablets and we're going to provide uh, so they can stay connected like electronically with their family. We're going to provide goodie baskets and we're going to be providing puzzles and activity books for uh, four nursing homes in Oklahoma City and Indianapolis. And here's what we need you to do if you haven't done it yet. They said one of the best ways we can be a blessing outside of a monetary blessing to the nursing home of uh, the nursing homes is this. If you would write a letter, if you would just get on care at email, care at peopleschurch.tv, maybe it's your favorite scripture. Maybe it's an encouraging word that God has laid on your heart, uh, something for the elderly. But would you all do that? Just take some time today, uh, tonight, tomorrow, and just write a quick email and bless our elderly. And on June 27th, we're going to go and we're going to bless these four nursing homes and, and just uh, celebrate them, give them all the letters and all of the goodies and the tablets. It's going to be a great, great day of reaching out to uh, the elderly in our communities. And uh, I want to give you one quick big announcement. If you missed it, July 8th 
Epic Student Ministries is back in full force meeting. Obviously, the resources are online every week. Parents will stay connected to Epic online, but we'll be meeting back at our Oklahoma City campuses, Indianapolis, soon to come. We're still working on a date. We just got them into the building, so that won't happen July 8th, but uh, we'll update Indianapolis really soon. But Oklahoma City Metro campuses, July 8th, Epic Student Ministries back at the campuses, and then our kids' ministry will resume in person, on site, at the campuses. There are resources available every week for your children. We want to keep them connected and growing in their faith in this season. But July the 12th, we're going to start our kids' ministry back up uh, if all continues to go well as we just want to keep you safe. We're monitoring things and want you uh, and your family to remain safe. But want you to know July 12th for our kids' ministry. Well, church, I believe today I got a word from the Lord for your life. Right now, if you're joining us online, click the share button because I want as many people as possible to hear this message as we are in week three of a series called Last Days. And for the first two weeks of this series, we've looked at scriptures from the Bible, from God's word that describe what it's going to be like, what life will be like at the end of the age, right when Jesus is getting ready to come back and the world as we know it will end. And you know the crazy thing is this, when you, when you read the Bible and all of these biblical prophecies from thousands of years ago and, and even as we're looking at the biblical prophecies there in Revelation a few thousand years ago, when you read them, they sound like the headlines from today's papers and television because your Bible knew what was going to be happening. God knew what was going to be happening and he put it in the word of God. And you think about it, even as recent as a few months ago, the major headlines in the news are a global health pandemic, economic collapse, historic unemployment, natural disasters, and now the USA Today calls it a racism pandemic. We're living in the last days. This is not a hyped up sermon series to play with your emotions. No, 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 no. Hear your pastor. I believe with all of my heart, we are living in the last days. Times are tense. Times are scary. Times are uncertain. We're in the last days. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're going to go where we always do to find direction and peace. And that is to God and to God's word. You see, the real question in these perilous times, in these last days, in these evil days, the real question is this. What does the Bible have to say? about the last days. And we've already looked the first week of the series at the signs of the end of the age. If you missed that message, get online and watch that message. I'll talk to you about the signs that we know, that that we, we can look at and know that we're living in the last days. Last week, I gave you an overview of the book 
of Revelation. I talked to you, I broke it down to you and gave you the, how the book of Revelation is broken down to the church age, the, the rapture, the tribulation, the antichrist, the second coming of Christ, the judgment day, heaven and hell. Be sure to go watch that message if you missed last week. And what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to focus in on the rapture. I realize some of you, the first time you heard about the rapture was last week. And then there are others of you that have heard about the rapture, bits and pieces, but you're just confused. You don't really understand it. Next week is so critical as we look at God's prophetic calendar. The next event on the calendar is the rapture. You need to understand it. You need to know what's going to transpire. And I'm going to teach you that next week. And also next Sunday, we're going to celebrate all the men. Father's Day. Where are you, fellas? Where are you? We're going to celebrate all the men next week. It's going to be a great time. We're going to give some gifts away. We're going to bless men, and it's just going to be a great time. So listen to me. Get the men in your life to church next Sunday. If you're watching online, get the men in your life in your home, get uncles and cousins and brothers, daddies, get them, their grandpas, to be a part of next week's powerful service. And what we want to understand that I think is really important to understand is right now we're living in the church age. Right now in the book of Revelation, we're living in chapter number two and in chapter number three. Let me tell you what's transpiring here. All of the disciples were martyred for their faith in Christ. They were killed for their faith except for John. And John, because of his faith, he was exiled to a tiny, rough, rocky island called Patmos. And on this island, God gives him a vision or a revelation of the future. That's why it's called the book of Revelation. And he gets this revelation of the future. And and God gives John on this island a message for seven churches in Asia Minor, which is now modern day Turkey. He writes to seven churches and, and check out, check out this map. These are the seven churches that he writes to. And the, the, right here are, these are actually cities. So Ephesus, the, these are Thyatira, Sardis, Pergamos. Those are cities there in, in Asia Minor where, where God spoke to these churches. And those letters are where we are now that God is speaking the same thing to the church today. So, so it was kind of like writing to the church of Oklahoma City or the church of Midwest City or to the church of Yukon or the church of Edmond or the church of Shawnee or in Indianapolis, the church of Indianapolis or the church of Lawrence or the church of Fishers or the church of Carmel. God, he's writing to these churches and he writes a message that contained both encouragement and correction. And he says this, he promises what would happen to them if they will stand firm in the Lord. And today I want to preach to you part two as we look at these seven churches. I, I talked to you about two of the churches last week and I want to talk to you about these other five today. I want us to look at seven ways the church gets ready for the end. Seven ways the church gets ready. And last week I talked to you, number one, about return to your first love. And we looked at the church of Ephesus and we learned from this church that, that they had 
began to fall out of love with Jesus, that they, they were leaving their first love. And I talked to you about last week, the greatest thing that you can do, church, lean into me. Hear what I'm saying. You're joining me online. Lean in right now. The greatest thing that you can do in these last days is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then the second is like it. The Bible says the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest thing that you can do in these last days is to love God and to love people. Love God and love people. Return to your first love. And then we looked at the second church, and that was the church of Smyrna, and that was to remain faithful. Be faithful to God during difficult times. Be faithful to God during divided times. We have to hold on to Jesus in these difficult days. Church, we must be united as a church in these last and evil days. I want you to think about this just for a moment. Ask yourself this question as I, as I, just, as, as, as I, as I ask this question. I want you to really internalize it and process this question. Are these difficult times drawing you closer to God? Or are you faltering in your faith? Are you loving red, yellow, black, and white people? Or is your heart getting colder toward people during this difficult time? And God says, remain faithful in these last days. Now, let's look at these other five churches. People's church, I really believe this. This is for us. This is for you. This is for me. And if you will lean in, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you so that you can be prepared for these last days that we're living in. The third church is this, is, is Pergamum. It's resist compromise. Resist compromise. You see this in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrificed to idols, and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, there's another group of people. You also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So, so you have this, this church, they've got themselves into tangents. They had this weird doctrinal stuff going on. They had people on one side that were following the teaching of Balaam. And this was basically a loose living teaching. Just live however you want. Do what you want. You determine what's right and what's wrong. You just sleep around if you want. Have an affair if you want. Listen, you just do have, get drunk if you want. You just live however you want to live. This church was literally living. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. That's how they were living. That's how they were living. And then not only you had loose living, but then you had the uh, other people in this church that were holding to the doctrine of Nicolaitans. And, and this was basically a legalistic doctrine. So you had people on both extremes. You had, you had loose living and then you had legalistic doctrine that, you know, stuff like, don't you wear makeup if you love God. You better not wear jeans to church. You have the devil. I mean, uh, your pastor blew it today. You know what I'm saying? I <laughs> blew it today. You know, it was legalism. Don't you go bowling. Don't you play football. 
God's against it. It's legalism. And, and, what, and what Jesus was telling this church is stop the tangent. Stay in the middle with solid doctrine. Church, in these last days, you have to have solid, sound doctrine in your life. That's why you got to be a part of a Bible-preaching church. That's why you got to read the Bible for yourself so you're not deceived. That's why you got to be in a small group with other Christians because these things will keep you grounded instead of being weird for Jesus. How many know any weird Christians? How many sitting by one in your house right now? Weird. Often crazy stuff. Saying crazy stuff, believing crazy stuff. You gotta have sound doctrine as a Christian. And let me tell you what transpires. Compromise, getting loose living, legalistic living. It, it compromise typically occurs gradually. Small, subtle, baby steps of compromise lead you down a wrong path. Just, just small. It was five or six summers ago. On July 4th, I was with my family and we were popping firecrackers. And you know those pumps, you know, you get those stick, those little small sticks, those pumps, and you light the end of it so you can then light all the rest of your firecrackers with this pump. And, and my kids all had one. And we gave them the parental talk before we started lighting firecrackers. We told them, hey, 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 guys, this is dangerous. The end of that pump, that's hot. That's fire. It will burn you. Hey, hey, kids, hey, kids, don't you play with this. Don't you play around. You light those firecrackers, but don't you be playing. Okay, yes, daddy, okay, we'll do that, okay. The kids start lighting firecrackers, blowing up stuff, pow, just everywhere. And, and, and then they, they start kind of just, you know, having fun, you know, playing around, having a good time. And, and they kind of got a little loose with, with, with the pumps. And, and then one of my kids was kind of holding the pump in a weird direction. Another one of my kids reached down to get some more firecrackers, bam, burned his head. And then, and, then, and then he wiped it off with his head and burned his hand. I mean, we had a hot mess that day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It was a hot mess. Hot mess. In people's church. Don't play with compromise. It'll burn you. Don't, don't, don't play around with sin. It will burn you. Romans 12 and verse 9 and 10 says, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Don't flirt with sin. Don't, don't toy around with sin. Don't see how close you can get to the fire without getting burned. Who knows some folks like that that just get all close? Am I sinning? Why are you trying to get so close? Why are you compromising? Because if you play around, you're going to get burned. James chapter 4 and verse 4, I love this out of the Message Bible. It says, if all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. Church, don't flirt with the world. Don't get your cues from culture. Get them from Christ. Don't get your views from the world. Get them from the word. Don't get your convictions from social media. Get them from the Messiah. You got to look to God. You got to lean on Jesus. Jesus has called us to be influencers and not the influence. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 says this about Christians. It says we are the salt 
of the earth. And salt influences. Salt changes food for the better. Anybody besides your pastor like some good seasoning? Come on, somebody. Season it up. Season it. Give me some salt. Come on, make them pork chops good with some seasoning. You know what I'm talking about? I like some good seasoning because it makes the food better. And as Christians, we must influence the world with our seasoning and not let the world influence us. We're salt. You know what we got to do? We got to shake our salt. Come on, right, right now in the chat line, just somebody type right now, just write, fill up the chat line, shake your salt, shake your salt. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, Pastor, you still dirty up the church. They'll get it cleaned up after church. Shake your salt. Influence, bring change. Listen, tomorrow when you go to work, maybe to the company that you own or, or you work at a place, wherever you work, tomorrow you may go there and there's people that lack integrity. There's people lying and cheating and gossiping. When you show up, you ought to shake your salt and that the culture ought to start shifting. People ought to want to start having integrity. People ought to want to start, stop gossiping because you're around and you're shaking your salt. Listen to me, in a world where little children are being sold into slavery, sex slavery, around our world and our nation. You ought to shake your salt and say, I'm going to be a part of ending this sex slavery. I'm going to use my salt to make a difference in this world, in a world that is telling us right now it's so divided and it's saying black people hate white people. White people hate black people. Brown people hate everybody. That's what our world is saying with all of the racism and hatred and the church is called to be the salt and somebody has to rise up and say, let me show you how to do this thing. Let's pull together red, yellow, black, and white. Let's pull together Democrat, Republican, independent. Let's pull together and shake our salt and show the world how we work together and bring change. I'm so proud of you, church. We've been having some of the most difficult conversations we've ever had. Challenging. And you're stepping in and shaking your salt, shaking your salt and saying, you know what? Tell me about your experience. Tell me about your pain. Tell me about your racism that you've experienced. Tell me. And you're talking and you're getting uncomfortable. And we're, we're, listen, we're going to bring change by talking and learning and educating, evaluating, letting the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. Come on, we got to see change because we don't want another George Floyd on the streets of America. So we got to shake our salt, not in hatred, not in division, not, listen to me, listen, we got to shake our salt with love. Yes, with strength. Use our voice, but shake it with love. Pull together in unity. We've got to shake our salt that no one is facing inequality, but everybody can get a good education. Everybody could get a loan from a bank. We got to shake our salt to see change. But I'm telling you, you're the church. You're the salt. If you don't shake it, that things get better around you, you're going to end up like the world. Let me ask you a question. Everywhere you go, when you shake your salt, are things getting better? Or are things getting worse? Are you looking more like the world? Or is the world looking more like Jesus because you're shaking your salt? Somebody just shout, shake your salt. That was weak. Shout, shake your salt. You got to shake your salt because God has called you to influence, not to be influenced. Number four is this. Let's look at this, this fourth church. 
the church of Thyatira, and it was repent, or excuse me, the fifth church, the fifth church, and that is number five. Oh, no, I'm on number four. When you done preach three times, you, all, you get confused sometimes, church. Number four, well, but I'm going to get all of them too. You can count on that, amen. Number four, repent of sin, repent of sin. And this, this is huge, repent of sin. You know, when you hear the word repent, it sounds like a good old end time word, doesn't it? Repent of sin. We've all seen signs on the street corners, or maybe you've seen it on social media. Repent or else, turn or burn. Get right or get left. We've all seen that and repentance can feel like a bad word, but repentance is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us. It means to turn away from sin that will destroy us and turn to the grace of God that will bless us. And that's what God is speaking to the church at Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18. It says, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you do did at first. I want you to catch this. Right now, God is encouraging this church. He's letting them know, I'm for you, church. But because he wants to bless them, he also corrects them. And I want you to see this in verse 20. Nevertheless, I have, I have this against you. You tolerated that woman, Jezebel. Ooh-wee. If you don't know about Jezebel, you better check her out. She, she, she's something else. And he says, you tolerated that woman, Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, but by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they, notice this, unless they repent of her ways. Church, there, there is no sin that escapes the notice of God. It doesn't matter whether your boss saw it, whether your husband or wife or your parent or friend or boyfriend or girlfriend knows about it. God sees and God knows. He knows. You know, during this, this COVID-19, I have at times been... wearing a mask. Has there been anybody else? Maybe you don't have one on today, but sometime throughout this virus, you've been wearing a mask. Come on, you've been wearing a mask on. Some of you have, and I, I've been wearing a mask. And um, you know your pastor's a germaphobe. So I've got, I got sanitizer everywhere. And I've been, come on, I've been, I, I don't want no virus, so I've been sanitizing up. Anybody like me, I, I will put sanitizer on the back of my hands. Come on, somebody, the arms. Thank you, Jesus. We going to keep these germs away. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I, I've been social distancing from people. You know what I mean? I just keeping my distance because I don't want COVID-19. I don't want no germs. I'm staying away. And then, and then there's some people, you know, I love everybody, but I'm just like, man, you just look nasty. Let me just step a little bit more that way. Cause I love you now. 
but I'm not trying to get no COVID. You know what I'm saying? And so just trying to stay clean. I've been taking vitamins like crazy. Anybody else been taking vitamins? I've been taking, come on, I got a multivitamin, vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin D. I'm taking airborne. Come on, I'm just, I am not trying to get COVID-19. I'm trying to stay away from all of these. I've always wanted to know what it was like to preach in a mask. No, thank you. Uh, I'll take that back off. But I've been doing everything I can to to stay away from germs so I don't get COVID-19. And the Bible says when it comes to this thing called sin, it says do whatever you have to do to stay away. Keep your distance. Wear your mask. Sanitize. Stay away from sin. And if you find yourself in sin, the Bible says repent. Turn from your sin and to the grace of God. Church, it's never a good time to sin. And it's always a good time to evaluate your heart and to ask God, forgive me. Shine a light on the areas where I'm falling short and cleanse my heart. I remember growing up and we woke up and mama had chores for us to do all the time. This is your week to wash dishes, take out the trash, clean your room, put your laundry away, make sure the house is vacuumed. And sometimes on a really busy week, the house got dirty, real dirty. And I remember mama telling us kids, hey, before I come home today, this house better be clean. Y'all hear me? Before I come home today, this house better be clean. And my mama sometimes, the spirit went on her. She would throw a brush at her brother and spank you and chase you. And so I was like, yes, ma'am. You got it. And then mama would leave, right? And, and then we would be like, oh, we got today. And we just start playing the Atari. Anybody remember the Atari back in the day? I, I used to be Walter Payton playing the Atari and playing with my older brother and my younger sister, just having a good time. And, and, man, we, and we just forgot about what mama said. And then all of a sudden, somebody would remember, mama's going to be home in 20 minutes. Mama's going to be home. Man, we have a panic. My goodness, we start cleaning up the house, washing dishes, whatever we couldn't wash, throw them in the stove, come on, cleaning the house, throwing dirty clothes underneath the bed. We just got to get this place clean because mama is coming home and she will spank us. Church, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And the Bible says, be prepared. Repent of sin. Have a heart for God. Turn from sin and turn to the grace of God because Jesus is coming. Number five is this. Number five is this. I want you to see a fifth one. And that is refuse hypocrisy. Refuse hypocrisy. The other churches had, and when you read about them, that they, they, they had at least a few nice things that Jesus said about them. But not this church. The church of Sardis, God didn't say anything good about this church. I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Here's what I want you to catch about this church. God doesn't take it lightly. When people play spiritual games and merely pretend to serve God. Church, God does not like part-time worshipers. 
And when you read the Bible, Jesus interacted with a lot of people. Jesus interacted with sinful people and broken people and demon-possessed people. But do you know the people that made Jesus angry? Do you know the people that got under Jesus' skin? It was the religious people who played spiritual games. They pretended to be spiritual. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And church, in these last days, the Lord is getting ready to come. Let's not play games. Let's not play church. Let's not pretend to love God and love people. Let's not pretend. Let's really do it. Let's be the church. Let's be who God's called us to be. Let's be the salt. Let's be the light of the world. Let's don't play church. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. I want you to see this sixth church, the church of Philadelphia. And that is, he tells them, respect the Bible. Respect the Bible. You see this in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Catch that, church. He says, you have kept my word. The Bible is God's word. We need to respect the Bible. We need to honor the Bible. We need to live the Bible. We need to speak the Bible. The scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 46, it says, take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law, that they, they are not just idle words for you. Don't let the Bible be idle words for you. They are your life. God's Holy Spirit, his words are life. And think about this for followers of Jesus Christ. We are basing our eternity on what this book teaches So when it comes to our values, our attitudes, our behaviors, we don't do the American thing. We do the Bible thing. We don't do the politically correct thing. We do the Bible thing. We don't do the denominational thing. We do the Bible thing. We don't do the cultural thing. We do the Bible thing. We don't do the social media thing. We do the Bible thing. We follow what the word of God teaches church in this season I'm getting asked a lot of questions not just from our church family but from leaders all over the nation people are asking me pastor what should I read to be more educated on racism and system systemic racism I'm I'm getting that question and I think reading and educating ourselves is needed I, I think it's a good thing to read books and and to watch documentaries so that we can be more educated. And there are some great books you can read, like The Third Option or Stamped from the Beginning or The Minority Experience. We we need to educate ourselves. But People's Church, hear your pastor. Listen, don't let church and that that sociology and autobiography override our biblical theology. We are people of the word of God. 
God. And yes, it's good to educate yourself, but you don't shift to sociology. You shift to what the Bible says. You let your filter be the word of God. We are people of the Bible. We are people of the word. We live by the word of God. Yes, as you as you fight social injustice, as you as you as you stand up for racism or you stand up for, against wickedness, you stand up against sin. Let your filter be the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. We are people of the word. We got to live by the Bible. We got to have the word of God in our hearts. We are people of the word. We're people of the book. We're people of the Bible. And may it be said of us as it was said of the church of Philadelphia. You have kept my word in the middle of COVID-19. You have kept my word in the middle of racism and hatred. You have kept my word in the middle of sin and hostility. You have kept my word. We are people of the book. So as you read about economics and history and all the different topics to read on, you remember this is our final authority and we're people of the Bible. Number seven is this. Number seven, radically follow Jesus. People's church, this church right here is where a lot of Christians are. You got to hear this. In Revelations 3 and verse 15, it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. But you say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. These are tough words. And it makes sense when you think about it. Because if I go home after church today and I tell Tiffany, hey, baby, you got some of my heart. I kind of love you. You know, I got one foot with you and one foot kind of over here. I got one eye on you and one eye over here. If I go home after church and tell my wife that, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight if I get to stay in the house. Because she wants all of my heart. And she has all of my heart. I love my wife. 22 years. I love her. I'm more committed than ever. And church, I realize some of you are are new to Christianity. You've just recently given your life to Christ. I I know some of you have not even given your life to the Lord. You're, You're checking out the claims of Christ. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're joining us online at one of the campuses. But some of you have been serving God for years. And let me tell you the danger of being in church for years. You can find yourself in a spiritual rut. Just going through the motions. Showing up at church and singing songs. Hearing sermons. Giving in the offering. Serving on a ministry team. And everybody else thinks that you're on fire for God. But you know in your own heart you've drifted. And you're cold. And you're dry. And you're lukewarm. And God says today, 
if you are lukewarm. Revelations 3 verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, don't keep going through the motions. Don't keep playing games. Open up the door. God, I seek you. God, I need you. I'm going to worship you like never before. I'm going to go to church like never before. I'm going to pray like never before. I'm going to serve like never before. I'm going to be in a small group like never before. Pastor, I've already done that before. Oh, do it over again. God, I'll worship you like never before. I read my Bible like never before. I pray like never before. I go to church like never before. God, don't let me be dry. Don't let me be lukewarm. God, set me on fire again. Lord, breathe on me again. Oh, God, let me hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, God, I need you. Somebody today, you need God to set your heart on fire. You've been in the motions. You're lukewarm. You're dry. You're in a spiritual rut. As we sing this song right now, would you call out to God in your home? Would you call out to God in your living room? Would you call out to God in these buildings and ask God in these last days to set you on fire? God set us on fire. God set us on fire. Lord, breathe on your church. Lord, touch the hearts of people today. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing complex to this. What a beautiful name it is. No more lukewarmness. No more lukewarmness. God touches. You're breathing in this place. You're breathing online right now. You're setting lukewarm hearts on fire again. We're not leaving the same way we came in. We're going to be on fire. We're going to shake our salt. We're going to pursue you. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray. We're going to live the word of God. We're going to be a witness for you. Oh God, we're going to be in church every Sunday. We need you, Lord. We are desperate for you, Jesus. We need you. We need you.